Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Blessed Are the Binary Breakers. Um, you may have noticed that there was supposed to be an episode two weeks ago that never got posted. I'm so sorry about that, um, but I like to think I have a pretty good excuse. In fact, several excuses. The first thing is that I graduated from seminary on May 19th, and in the weeks leading up to that, I was scrambling to, you know, get paperwork turned in and finish up like four or five essays and projects and all of that so that I could graduate. Um, I now have my Master of Divinity, which is pretty rad. And then literally six days after graduating, I got married. So I had to, you know, get prepared for that, drive down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is where Leah and I got married because that's where we met in undergrad and we have a little church home there. Um, So that's where we got married. And it was wonderful and it was fun. And a day after getting back from the wedding, we flew to Seattle, Washington for our honeymoon. If you're interested in hearing about our honeymoon, we had a lot of fun in a national park. And just in hearing about our take on queer love and what it's like to be a partnership in which one person is trans and the other is cis. And just us talking about how the more conservative kind of homophobic idea of complementarity or complementarianism... um, being why only men and women can marry each other and all that jazz. Um, We talk about why that's kind of BS and how we complement each other just fine as we are. We made a YouTube video um, talking about all of that. You can find it if you search for Queerly Christian on YouTube. And I think the title is called Queer Love, Complementarianism, and Cookies, because we bake cookies during the video. I decided to make that video, and Leah so kindly helped me make it, because um, I wanted to sort of replace the missing podcast episode that you didn't get two weeks ago. So you get that content as well as the interview you are about to hear. So again, so sorry about missing an episode, but let me tell you, the interview you are about to listen to is definitely worth the wait. I was so honored to talk to Alex Batagi, who is a a Haitian voodoo priest. It was really cool for me to get to learn a little bit more about Haitian voodoo, um, how it's all about the holistic self, um, and about connecting the physical and the spiritual, how um, the spiritual beings in the faith interact with humanity, It was really cool to hear about Alex's own spiritual mother, who has been so wonderfully understanding and supportive of Alex um, as a transgender male priest. So I hope you all really enjoy this episode. I've been hoping to get people from all sorts of different faith backgrounds, and so Haitian voodoo is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's important to, to... see as many viewpoints as possible yeah especially i feel like in the u.s voodoo is people don't really know what it is and there's a lot of misconceptions absolutely so are you ready to get started sure sure i'm, I'm ready to go whenever you are awesome um oh one thing really quick so your name's alex um batagi batagi okay so yep. emphasis on the last bit of it yep So, Alex, the way I normally start these interviews is just to ask um, what you want listeners to know about you right off the bat, whether that's about faith and gender or hobbies, career, anything like that. Okay. Um, So I think as a holistic person, I, you know, I am transgender. I have identified as transgender for quite a while, Um, Mm -hmm. kind of even before I really knew what the term meant or had other examples to point at. For me, being a person of faith really permeates all aspects of my life. Kind of living my life out in the world really pulls in where where my faith where my faith kind of lives. Um, for me, I believe you know whatever word we choose spirituality, religion. Um, that's kind of an action verb for me. Um, yeah. That that my beliefs are lived beliefs. It's not just for me something that I kind of hold behind closed doors. And for me, like professionally, I work in human services. I work with 
marginalized populations. And for me, um, where I view things as, that's sacred work for me. Um, I believe that that is bringing my personal faith principles and the principles of how I view my spirits or divine figures um, in the world. Yeah, that's really cool. And so you're in Boston, right? Yeah, I live, I lived in Massachusetts my whole life. So yeah, I live in Boston right now. Cool. So what, how did you find Haitian voodoo? Is that part of your family background or what? No, it's not. I, I grew up, I grew up Protestant um, and I'm a, you know, a pastor's kid. Um, and oh. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, got older for me, I found that that didn't work. Uh-huh. Um, and so I kind of did more exploration as an adult and I kind of settled on, you know, casual agnosticism that something was out there, but I didn't know what it was. And that, you know, I was happy not knowing what it was. And I, you know, dabbled with kind of, you know, I grew, grew into polytheistic beliefs that, you know, from that casual agnosticism to realizing there were bigger things and that they had names and individual personalities. Um, and then it was by chance that I reconnected with an old friend who I'd known for, at the time, probably 10 years. Um, he and I had, you know, just our lives had moved in different directions and um, we had found each other on Facebook and he had mentioned that he had become initiated in the religion and it was something I had not experienced before um, and something that I was curious about in the way that I tend to be curious about many things that for me, it's important to kind of open open my worldview and learn how other people live in the world and how they experience the world. Mm-hmm. And so he told me, you know, go check out a ceremony. My spiritual mother's house is there in Boston. And, you know, there's a ceremony coming up on this date. You should go. And so I went um, kind of to with the with the goal of like seeing something I hadn't seen before and learning more about other people um, mm-hmm. and other cultures. And I went and it was a really transformative experience for me. Um, part of Haitian voodoo is the spirits um, come down in possession. They come down. Um, into the bodies of their servants and speak to the community. Mm. And I had a moment of speaking with a spirit at that party, um, and he said some very interesting things to me. And he asked me if I would come back. And I said I would, um, and it kind of developed from there that it grew into a spiritual home for me um, where there's been a lot of like transformative experience and a lot of personal growth for me. Um, and so it, it really became very important to me very quick. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, I I think it for me it has it has been kind of a life changing experience. Yeah, and how long ago was it that you went to that first ceremony? Uh, that was back in 2013, so a little while ago. Yeah. Um, it was it was a ceremony for um there are family of spirits called the Gede. The they are the the elevated dead in the religion. Um, the spirits of of souls. Um, who have gone kind of, we call it under the water to rest. Um, mm. And then they are lifted up as part of our, our family of, of, of the spirits of the departed souls. Um, can I add, did you know at that point that you were trans? Yes, I had, I had, I knew I, I've been, I knew I was gender variant at a kind of a very young age, but I didn't know what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 37 years old. So in my by my early twenties, I had a really solid conception that I was not cisgender. Okay. I just did not have language for that. Um, mm-hmm. For me, um, how I grew up, I kind of grew up sheltered and grew up, um, you know, very conservatively in a lot of ways. And I yeah. didn't know that transgender men existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew about drag queens. I you know heard all the salacious stories about trans women sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know that that there was another alternative. Yeah, And I met someone in my early 20s. I don't think they identified as transgender. Um, they were um, identifying at that point as primarily a butch woman. And they had chosen to have top surgery. Okay. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes that there were other options. Yeah. Um, and it blew my mind totally. Yeah. Um, so I went through kind of a phase of questioning who I was and trying to figure that out in relationship to my sexuality. Um, because part of, for me, part of my journey, knowing that I was different was, you know, exploring whether I was a lesbian or not. And that, you know, that wasn't a fit for me. Um, mm-hmm. so by my mid to late twenties, I kind of settled on gender different and then 
by my early late late twenties, early thirties, I just I had really settled on the 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 identity of of a transgender man. Um, so yeah, at the time when I when I went to that first ceremony, I identified as transgender. I had not mm-hmm. kind of for me begun a medical transition at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but for me, like the really important part of Haitian voodoo for me is that I was able to bring my whole self to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it became clear that I was becoming more involved and that the spirits of the religion were asking me for more things, um, I met with the woman who would become my spiritual mother, who is the lineage head of this particular um, house. You know, in, in Haitian voodoo, we organize ourselves into families, which are often called societies or societies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was the head of this family. And I had a discussion with her. And it was, you know, clear at that point that initiating into the priesthood was was um, going to be a reality for me. And I talked with her at length about the fact that, for me, I could not, in good conscience, initiate as a female priest. Yeah. Um, and in the religion, that's called a mambo. And I said, no, I can't. I can't initiate as a mambo. And she looked at me and said, well, okay, then I'll initiate you as a hungan, which is the male priest. Oh, wow. Um, and that was something very new for the religion. I mm-hmm. There were very few transgender priests in the religion um, for, for a lot of different reasons, mostly because um, in Haiti, there's often a different conception of gender. Um, transgender is something very new in Haiti. Um, so it wasn't something that was very common, um, mm-hmm. but it was something I was able to bring to the table and my spiritual mother kind of didn't blink an eye. That's um, awesome. Yeah, she's, a, she's an exceptional woman. And so it was really a process of really embracing my whole self. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to bring all of myself to the table with her support. Um, she's in a lot of ways, um, around especially around gender issues she's been kind of a trailblazer um because again it's something new for the religion um, and you haven't seen too many transgender priests um so she's really kind of um not been afraid to kind of embrace that and welcome people as they are i love that that's really cool yeah and are is there like so there's two different words for a priest, whether it's a woman or a man. So is there are there different roles for those for a female priest versus a male priest? No, not really. Um, it's it's interesting. There there are different words, um, but that's kind of really in the religion. That's really where gender division ends. Mm. Uh, Okay. There's there's really no no difference in what the ritual responsibilities are or what we do as priests, whether you're Sweet. a mambo or an ungan. It's it's really just in name only, and I think that's something that's that's just part of the religion. So for me, it was really left up to where do you feel most comfortable, mm-hmm. and what's the best place for you. And I think it speaks a lot to how you know because voodoo is an initiatory religion. It, it kind of self-regulates in that mm. outside factors are not what changes the religion, really. The religion decides how it changes, um, and the individual priests decide how that shapes their individual lineages. Mm-hmm. And I think um, my spiritual mother, Mambo Maud Evans, has really decided that for her it's important to you know, welcome whole people, and that means bringing all of us, to, all of ourselves to the table. Oh, I love that. So yeah. that emphasis on that whole person as being valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really, that's really powerful. If you don't mind, I would love to hear a little more about your thoughts on what drew you to voodoo. Like, so you've got that idea of the whole person, what other values are important to this religion? Um, I think, you know, for a transgender person like myself, I think something that was really important to me um, and I didn't know it was going to be really important. It was something that kind of crept up on me. Mm-hmm. Um, was the concept of family is that the religion organizes itself into family units. Um, and in Haiti, family is really important because family is how you survive. Um, yeah. You know, Haiti is a very different place than the U.S. And there are different challenges. And so having a family is kind of how you make your way in the world. And I kind of I didn't know that I was looking for a family so much until I found it. And so I think that's a really, really key aspect 
of of the religion. I think you know when I talk about like basic concepts of voodoo is is it's the the religion is based on relationships. You know, relationships to our spiritual family, our spiritual parent, relationships to our spirits, relationships to the community, and it's within those relationships that the religion functions. Mm-hmm. And I think having for me, having a mother in this way has been really important for me. It's allowed me a lot of space to grow as a person and to understand myself in the world. Um, and and that's kind of a core value, I think, of the religion. Um, and I think, you know, within that, you find, you find the aspect of working towards a communal good. Nothing happens um, when one person works alone. It's when everybody works together. Oh, the ceremony to get everybody working together to make them happen. Other yeah. singing, dancing, drumming, um, kind of all of those things happen together. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, there's kind of three core aspects of the religion. Um, the first being service to the spirits. Um, we believe um, there is, you know, one um, supreme divinity that many people call God, or um, you know, the equivalent word in, in Creole would be Bon Dieu, um, which means good God. Um, mm-hmm. And and after God, there is many spirits that we call them the loa um and they the loa themselves are organized into families as well and so kind of one of the big functions is service to those spirits is that we build relationships with those spirits and they you know they teach us they love us uh they protect us they care for us and in turn you know we feed them we keep them strong we celebrate them um we you know bring them down into the into the ceremony for the community and so voodoo kind of emulates that part of Haitian life since it is a Haitian religion. And so the religion is is done in family units. And so the, the lineage head or the priest who's doing, you know, doing ceremony for you is often considered your parent. And, you know, their other, other initiate children um, are your siblings. And for me, I, I do not come from a background where I'm super close to my biological family. Um, another kind of core function is healing. Um, healing is a big part of voodoo, whether it's individual healing, community healing, family healing, um, you know, whether it's physical illness or spiritual illness or a spiritual problem. Um, a big part of of the religion is healing, healing those things that hurt us um, to make us stronger. Oh, and I then like a lot. the third kind of the third big, big branch is magic. Um, a lot of people kind of on the outside get caught up in that. Yeah, um, it is important. Um, but it's not the only thing. So sometimes we do magic for outcomes or magic for healing or um, magic to kind of enhance aspects of our lives. That's really that's really cool to think about, especially like the idea of community and healing. Um, mm-hmm. Just knowing, I don't know a ton about Haitian voodoo, but I do know mm-hmm. that it, it sort of came with Africans who were brought over um, as slaves, right? That they... Really? So it makes sense that they've got this focus on healing. Um, Absolutely. I think one of the interesting aspects of healing in voodoo, especially, you know, when we keep gender, gender identity in mind is healing is not, it's not just aimed at, you know, taking care of an illness. Uh Uh, It's also kind of aimed at like resetting the balance. Um, I think that's another core aspect of Voodoo too is is balancing out life, remaining in balance, having everything be in balance. And that's never, you know, a one-step process. It's kind of a lifelong pursuit of yeah. organizing different areas and making sure everything stays as even keel as possible. And sometimes that healing is not, you know, it's not always gentle. It's sometimes mm. it's more of a revolutionary approach because of its roots. Um, in in the enslavement of Africans who are brought across the Middle Passage. Yeah. Um, a core part of Haiti's history is um, the revolution where yeah. enslaved Africans said enough is enough and rose up against the French colonizers. Yeah, so and Hudu, won, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, who really embodies um, revolution as a spiritual concept, so that comes through in our mm-hmm. healing a lot. Um, and, and for trans people in particular, I think that's important for us because I think in some ways, you know, everybody identifies a little bit differently along the trans spectrum. Um, yeah. For me, I see, you know, transgender as a concept, as an evolutionary thing. We are evolving to be who we are. 
Ooh, that's cool. Through the process of coming out, if we decide to take a you know medical transition, mm-hmm. for me that fits within in the purview of voodoo is that we're both evolution in that concept, and it's a, like a personal revolution. Like it's yeah, seeking to balance our lives. And like you said, it is sort of a a thing. You uh, it's a lifelong thing. It doesn't happen right away. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a process. I mean, for me. When I st- like I said, when I started in Voodoo, I had not started a medical transition, and I wasn't sure I wanted one. Uh-huh. I, I had kind of tossed the idea back and forth and then kind of tossed it out the window and said, that's not for me. Uh-huh. But for me, it was part of, you know, the last part of our initiation um, that, that takes place in public is we're baptized in the religion. We're baptized with a spiritual name um, that includes... Um, like uh, the the last bit of it is indicates whether we're an ungan or a mambo, and mm-hmm. my spiritual name um, came out as bonkira bon ungan, and that means um, what is good is rare, and indicates Ooh. I'm a male priest. Yeah. And for me, being baptized in the community as a male priest kind of changed my process around transition. Mm-hmm. And I found for myself when I you know when I came home from that and kind of sat with it for a while, I couldn't remain in kind of a space of be you know deciding that medical transition was not for me it really for me it really pushed me to explore that more and find what the right option for me was yeah that's really cool that being initiated into that community helped you mm-hmm. discover more about yourself too absolutely i think it for me, it was probably one of the first places in my life that I was able to really be my whole self. Yeah, that's didn't, beautiful. I mean, it didn't matter if everybody understood. Uh, it yeah. didn't matter if everybody thought it was great. Mm-hmm. It mattered that, you know, my spiritual mother and my siblings kind of were behind me with that. Yeah. Uh, and it and it fit. It was one of the first times I really felt as a whole person. Mm-hmm. And my experience, my experience has been, like, even if in Haiti – it's kind of different in the U.S. that even if people don't understand, it doesn't mean they don't accept you. It doesn't mean they don't mm-hmm. respect you. Mm-hmm. They they might say to your face, you know what, I don't understand, but I care about you. Yeah. You know? I did, if you don't mind talking about it, I am curious, are all the practitioners, all the people in your, your house um, cool with it? Like, have the rea- reactions to you being trans all been positive ones? Um, I think kind of playing back to to gender kind of being different in Haiti mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a kind of a different wavelength of thinking about gender right now in Haiti um, mm-hmm. transgender is a new concept um, in Haiti um, simply because it just the, the there's kind of no option for folks who who would undertake a transition there to have that there's no kind of medical support for that or structural support uh-huh. um, and and Haiti is still discovering itself in terms of what sexual difference means, what, what gender difference means. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks in Haiti might not have had um, kind of exposure to trans people before. Yeah. Um, and it was a concept that was new for a lot of people to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there were no negative reactions, but more very curious reactions. Oh, yeah. That makes me, sense. Who's this person? Yeah. Um, like at a time, you know people looking at me might have identified me as female. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most most folks in a spiritual setting in voodoo who identify as female might wear a dress or a skirt. And uh-huh. I wore pants and a shirt. Uh-huh. Uh, and so there were questions about like why is why is this person dressed this way? It was and it was never I never felt it was negative and, and none of the feedback I heard was negative it was just more curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. In the United States being confused about something, being ignorant about something is tied to fear. Like Absolutely. lack of knowledge is seen as such a, like a, it's a negative thing. So if you don't know about something, your first instinct is to be a bit afraid of it and defensive. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, my experience in Haiti has been very different from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been met with curiosity and, and lots of questions sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but it's never, for me, it's never felt like derogatory or disrespectful um, it's really just been people have been curious and it's yeah. something because they haven't seen that before and they don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, and like you said, like you're a family. They want to get to know you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
And I think in some ways, you know, the ways that I've explained it to people, um, it can fall within our kind of religious com- like topography. We believe that we believe that our spirits can come down and possess a body, can, can right. possess a person. Right. And so that means for us, we explain that is kind of our soul is being moved over in that moment. Um, mm. The spirit is taking, taking, taking up a little space in us like that. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether the spirit presents itself as male or female, it will possess the person that they want to possess. Ah, okay. Um, and so we can talk about, we've talked about it in ways that like, you know, we see this male spirit comes down into someone who identifies as female. Yeah. What does that mean? And then we talk about that. Like I've talked about that with people in terms of like, my soul is different than what my body looks like. Mm-hmm. For me, with the people I've talked to, that has been like, that has been a moment where they've gone, oh, okay. Like That's that awesome. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so being able to explain it in a religious concept has kind of helped folks in some ways. Yeah, that is really cool um, that you have that that spiritual language to use. Definitely. I like that a lot. And that's sort of, that's all I, like, I've only looked into voodoo, to be honest, like, for the specific purpose of I was very curious about um, how it interacts with Christianity, since I am Christian, and I know there's, like, there's syncretism there. And I was also kind of looking into um, any sort of, like, queerness, um, like gender variance within it. And so I saw some of that, that like some of the, some of the spirits can present as feminine or masculine. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I think there are spirits definitely have personalities. Yeah. Uh, They definitely have personalities. They definitely can present themselves as masculine or feminine, kind of depending on who they are. And, and sometimes that has, you know, relationships to like what their characteristics are, what their, you know, their quote-unquote job might be, what their favorite area of expertise might be. But when it comes to, like, how they move in community, like, their their deepest desire is to meet their people. And so when they may come down in possession, it doesn't matter, who like, who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, it matters that, you know, you are the best fit for them in that moment, and so gender mm-hmm. is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, that's um, really neat. Yeah, in a lot of ways, like, before our spirits, our gender is irrelevant. Um mm-hmm. You know, really, the the only kind of gendered thing I've I've experienced in in voodoo is just really the title of of priest, or mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if you are a male priest or a female priest, and you know, in in the lineage that I've been a part of, it's you know, clearly it has been kind of mutable for for me. Like it hasn't mm-hmm. been, you know, this is what you look like, this is what you are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the spirits the spirits are they're very flexible with us, mm-hmm. and our personal relationships kind of show who they are with us personally. We learn who they are through us. Um, so Ooh, we I like that. Yeah. Like, I think we are our own filters in some ways. Like yeah. I know when, when I, when I speak with my spirit, learn about my spirit, learn from them, I'm seeing them through my own reality. And mm-hmm. so that might be different from, you know, a Haitian woman's reality. Or maybe mm-hmm. different from a single mother's reality. Um, so we meet them as we are. Um, do you have any specific spirits that you um, sort of devote more time to? Because I know there's a lot of spirits. Do, yeah. you, do you pick <laughs> certain ones that you focus on? So, I mean, there are a lot of spirits in voodoo. And I think we all have the spirits that we are closer to than not. Like, I think that's just a part of human reality. Um, yeah kind of for us maintaining balance is maintaining balance among our spirits so I wouldn't say that I have favorites I think that's that's a place where um like I would kind of shy away from that word okay there are spirits that I've worked closely with over time mm-hmm. um, for me the spirit that really drew me to voodoo was Gede um the spirit you know the spirit family of the elevated dead um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, as a as a priest, one of the things that I have learned about that spirit through, for myself, um, you know, we often refer to that spirit as he, but, you know, Gede is reflective of all dead people. So there are all types of Gede. For me, I have really, you know, embraced Gede as a spirit who understands humanity really deeply because he is the, the family of spirits that has been human most recently. 
Wow. Um, yeah. And for me, I have I have seen Gede as a spirit who cares particularly for LGBT folks, um, mm. and has kind of for me has a kind of unending well of empathy for the human experience, um, because Gede knows what it is to suffer. Um, again, being being the most recently human, Gede knows what it is to kind of have heartbreak, have loss, the whole scope of human experience. And I have found, um, for me, like, he is a really important ally for work I do um, with, you know, seekers who might be LGBT plus, um, for gender variant folks in particular. Um, Gede comes with no judgment. Um, a lot of, you know, if folks read up on Gede, they'll hear that Gede often makes sexual jokes or flirtation. <laughs> Um, you know, rude jokes, things like that. And that's because getting, you know, he's dead, so he's kind of beyond all rules. Um, yeah. And he, and he embodies no judgment because yeah. of that. Um, for me, I have not felt judgment from any spirits about my gender or my sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, but getting particular for me, he, he is that keyhole yeah. um, for, for LGBT plus folks. Yeah, that's wonderful to... I'll have to look more into him. That's yeah. I, I like the sound of him. He sounds really cool. That that family of spirits um, is special for sure. Like for me as a as a trans person, it was and having that be my first contact with spirits in voodoo. It was it was again like one of those nurturing experiences where like the spirit was like, I don't care, you're here. Like it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So that was that was really important for me. That is especially. If you're interested in talking a little bit more about um, growing up Protestant and with like um, as a pastor's kid, like it sounds like you probably didn't get that feeling that just like, you know, showing up as you were was accepted. So, you know, it was it was interesting. I grew up, you know, like I said, heavily Protestant, very involved in church stuff. Um, I worked at a, you know, a Christian summer camp for a long time. Um, my parent was, you know, is and was a pastor. Uh, I think for me, you know, it was not, for me, I did not have an experience that was kind of embracing of who I was. Yeah. I stopped going to church when I was 18 because it was just not a good fit. Mm -hmm. uh, I had had, you know, when I was involved in, in the summer camp, I had had some really homophobic experiences mm -hmm. from, from that. Because, I mean, we know that not all denominations are friendly to Right, LGBT plus folks, and then you know, not being friendly might be like the most conservative way of saying that. Yeah, and so for me, I I had a lot of ideas about what faith meant, what religion meant, and I kind of wanted no part of that. And so when I started coming around to voodoo, I was very kind of apprehensive about group religious yeah exercises like i had like i said i've been an active polytheist for a while um but you know most of my religious you know compatriots were queer were trans or gender variant in some way uh -huh. so coming into a new setting i was very apprehensive um yeah. i'm not a big joiner um you know, i don't rush into group things kind of willy-nilly and so i was apprehensive and waiting to see if this was going to reflect kind of a conservative outtake. Yeah, yeah. It, for me growing up, like there were, it wasn't, like sexuality was not talked about in a religious context. Same. Or, yeah. like, for, like, I don't think anybody around me knew what transgender really meant. Mm -hmm. There were no examples of that kind of available to me. Mm -hmm. So like moving out into the world as a young adult, you know, even, you know, even as a young adult, I mean, that was, that was the early 2000s for me. And for me, I think that there was still not a lot of availability, you know, through the through the 90s and the early 2000s of religious figures who were queer or gender variant in some way, at least in, in my area of the world. And so kind of seeing that explode more and like kind of having this like constellation of experiences that led me to this being okay for me was pretty transformative. Um, really being able to embody embody like a spiritual belief in a in a setting that was safe for that um which didn't you know didn't feel remunerative or didn't feel kind of like it was you know a repeat of the past was really good for me yeah and i think for trans people a lot my experience 
my impression has always been that we ignore spiritual needs a lot um, because many of us have been hurt in the past. Yeah. We've, we've been involved in religious organizations or communities that have not supported us um, or, you know, on the, other, on the other side of the spectrum have ridiculed us, tossed us out, mm-hmm. told us that we need fixing or healing or that we're sinful or mm-hmm. all of these kind of pejorative terms. And I think we forget about our spiritual needs a lot. Yeah, because we don't know that there are places where we can, we can get our needs met and not be hurt. Right. I think for me, I think the biggest place of personal healing was realizing that, that I could be accepted and wanted as my whole self. And that to the point, it could be a non-factor, honestly, in my religious experience, like it could be both embraced and be like the least consequential thing, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think like healing that for myself was really important. And I think we, we collectively as a community carry a lot of hurt around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's really important for me, like that the trans people know that there are options for them, you know, whatever that best options of feeling like it's there for me. Part of my priest work um, is being visible as a transgender priest, because that means there's options for other people. Yeah. Um, that yeah. just, you know, that it's there and that you can seek it out if you want it. Yeah. And that, you know, regardless of your past experiences, like there, there is a place for you. There are people who will welcome you. There are spirits who will embrace you as you are. And so I think, you know, for me, that's part of who I am as a priest is that making sure that trans people know that there are options if we want them. Yeah. Just by being who you are and being visible, you you can provide hope for Mm -hmm. other trans people. That's so powerful. I think it's really important. I think, you know, there was a time, you know, when I left the church, you know, as a 19-year-old, early 20-something, mm-hmm. you know, exploring my identity a lot, there was something I really needed, and I didn't know where to find it. Because I feel, I feel like for a lot of people, like, faith, you know, whatever, however that plays out, wherever we find it, is an important part of completing ourselves in some ways like having a fullness in our life. And for me, for a long time, it was an empty spot Um, because, you know, there were places I felt I could go, but I didn't have community. And I think that that's a a need that a lot of us have, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, not just religious community, you know, struggling with our presence, but even our family units. Yeah. Um, Logical families not being able to welcome us, um, you know, finding family where we can have it is important a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. And it is true that like a lot of us can try to practice spirituality all by ourselves in isolation, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. really it's about community. So yeah, for yeah. me that that's I think it's really key. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not just for whatever, you know, religious commitments there might be that you meet other people for, but just to know that there's someone who has your back, you know? Yeah. That you're not alone in the world, like there is someone who shares similar beliefs to you, mm-hmm. um, sees you for who you are, and thinks that you're just fine the way you are. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important for trans people. We get the short end of the stick a lot of times. Yeah. We, we are like the last, we're like the last one invited to dance at the party, you know? Yep. Um, so I think it's really important um, that there are spaces for that. Mm-hmm. You mentioning... Um sort of what you do as a priest leads to one question I did want to ask is like, what does your sort of day to day or week to week? um, Like, what do you do as a priest? So there's, there's kind of two aspects, two big aspects to being a priest, at least from my perspective, Mm -hmm. there is community work. And then there is a personal work. Um, Kind of my personal work is my day to day. Um, You know, I have what some people might call an altar, um, in my home, we, we often call it like a table for the spirits. Okay. Um, and so each day I try to spend a little time there, um, wow. you know, whether it's in prayer and meditation, just speaking with my spirits. Um, I try to spend a little time there every day because for me, that's really grounding. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me kind of who I am and what my purpose is in the world um, mm-hmm. and kind of it develops my personal relationships with my spirits and kind of gives me light through my day part is community work and that can take a lot of different forms um sometimes it's you know 
you know, helping out of the ceremony at my, you know, at the temple for my house. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, helping my, my, my spiritual mother or helping my siblings or, you know, making sure that the ceremony is done for the community. Sometimes it's, you know, doing, you know, what other people might call pastoral counseling, speaking with folks about their spiritual needs or spiritual worries, you know, doing spiritual work for folks, like stuff that we might call magic, um, things mm-hmm. like that, kind of what makes the community work turn. Yeah. Um, part of that community work for myself is I do keep a blog. I've got a blog about my experiences for a long time. Um, so I write in that kind of regularly. Um, for me, that that's part of spiritual work for me. Um, yeah, I'll have to make sure to get a link from you that I can yes, include. Definitely. Um, and I think kind of that, I mean, I think honestly, like the, the blog has been a huge part of my community work. I think, uh-huh. you know, it both, I can both put out information that is, you know, reputable about the religion versus kind of yeah. the salacious stuff that we often find online. Oh, yeah. And like have a touch point of like, this is a trans person who was doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've written a lot about that. So I think it, it's kind of like twofold purpose for me. And then, you know, week by week, month by month, we do community work, you know, supporting ceremonies, supporting, um, you know, you know, spiritual clients that may come to us for help. Um, you know, doing, doing my writing projects, mm-hmm. um, kind of each year I end up going, I go back to Haiti each year. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I go, so I usually go in the summertime when we have, you know, our house has, you know, our big cycle of initiation ceremonies and ceremonies mm-hmm. for our spirits down there. Um, cause my initiatory mother is Haitian. Um, uh-huh. we, we have a temple here in Haiti and in, I'm sorry, in Haiti and here in Boston. Uh-huh. Um, and I think going to Haiti um, as a non-Haitian is a special is a special duty of ours. Is there sort of in voodoo, like if you don't live in Haiti all the time, is there sort of an expectation that you visit Haiti frequently? Like, because that's something, and this is going to prove like that I'm kind of ignorant. Like before you contacted me, I hadn't even thought of the fact that like Haitian voodoo could exist outside of the country and that, mm-hmm. yeah, and that like, potentially like people who are not themselves Haitian um, and that like even like when it comes to race like I would have assumed that you know everyone who's practicing Haitian voodoo is black or um, indigenous or whatever. Yeah I mean it's I mean there's a lot there and so Mm -hmm. for us in Haitian voodoo initiation can only take place in Haiti. Okay. And it's a core there's many reasons for that. I think, especially for folks who are not Haitian, yeah, um, it's really important to go visit the place where the spirits have lived. Yeah, um, you know, the spirits are with us all the time, um, but getting your feet on the soil um, is important. You know, they sacrifice a lot to give us a lot of things, so it's important that we sacrifice too. Yeah. Um, and so, going to meet them where they live is important. Um, and I think it's important for folks who are not Haitian or not, you know, black or black descended, um, it's really important to go to Haiti um, mm-hmm. because, you know, the community, the community and the spirits kind of decide who is welcome. And, you know, each individual mm-hmm. lineage plays that out how, how it decides to. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's really important that if, if you have not, you know, been to the, continent, the country before, you know, it's important to go there. I think it's, it's important to see where the religion began in a lot of ways. Um, and for me, it's, for me, it's an issue of respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not Haitian and I'm not black. Um, so I, I take the religion as it's given to me, which is part of my promises as part of my initiation. Mm-hmm. And that means that I go to Haiti. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an investment in my family there. It's an investment in my community. It's an investment in my spirits um, mm-hmm. to remember my gratitude for what they've given to me. Um, and I think, and I think it's, it, that's a big topic. And I think, you know, it's a topic that inspires a lot of strong feelings, um, yeah. especially given the political climate, both here in the U S and in Haiti to explore around race and voodoo, especially because, um, historically and currently white folks do so much bad stuff around voodoo and mm-hmm. do so much bad stuff around Haiti in terms of, yeah. you know, pushing out the narratives of poverty, porn, and, yeah. and and colonialism, 
Um, so it's really important to kind of continue to unpack that um, and to kind of learn what it means to be a white person in voodoo without burdening Haitians to do that work. Yeah, that's so awesome. So you are, you're not taking it for yourself and making it what you want it to be. Instead, you're humbly asking to, that you can enter into what it already is. I, I hope that's what I'm doing. I, I think I'm not the judge of that. I think that's, you know, yeah. kind of up to my elders to make sure yeah. um, I am kind of living according to their directions. Yeah. But that's the goal. I think it's really important for me, one of my messages that I write about a lot and when I talk with people a lot, like voodoo is a Haitian religion. If you're not Haitian, then we are learning new cultural norms and new mm -hmm. cultures. If we are welcomed into that, it's our job to kind of live that as a given. Um, yeah. You know, I don't dictate what Haitian culture is. I don't dictate what the culture of the religion is. That's something that I learned from my elders. So part of my initiatory promises that we all make is that we give the religion and live the religion as it's given to us. Mm -hmm. So that means I don't change it. Like, we don't change voodoo. Voodoo changes us. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I hold is pretty important. Yeah, that's really cool, especially like I know I as a white person, like that is something white people really need to learn how to do is absolutely yeah, is how to be respectful and yeah, I mean our our lineage our lineage um is is you know, we hold a lot of public ceremonies throughout the year both in the US and in Haiti. Uh-huh. Um so there are opportunities for folks who do not have, you know, kind of contact with the religion to see the religion in context um, versus, you know, reading a book or seeing what an interpretation of the religion might be to kind of see it as it's done. Um, I think that's important for the religion um, and for the people to like uh, outsiders to see that. Yeah. I mean, if people are interested in seeing kind of what things look like, I can give you a link later if you want to post it to videos of our ceremonies yeah. and stuff. Oh, that would be really awesome. Yeah. Well, is there anything else we haven't gotten to that you would like to talk about? I think, I think, I think, you know, kind of the overarching message I think that's important for me is that for trans people specifically, you know, that there's always a place for us. There are religious systems that welcome us as whole people. There are spirits or divinities or, you know, whatever somebody's chosen word is that welcome us as whole people um, where both, our gender expression is sacred and, you know, inconsequential at the same time because we are whole people. Mm -hmm. um, it's a factor in our participation or, you know, how we choose to express things in there. Yeah. There are places where, where you are loved as who you are, um, as a whole person. Sometimes, unfortunately, sometimes we have to search to find it. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I know that there are places we are welcome as whole people. That's all so wonderful. Thank you so much, Alex, for taking the time to tell me a bit about your faith and gender and all that. It's been really cool to hear about it. Well, I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate being, you know, having this opportunity to chat with you and kind of open the doors a little bit for trans folks and other folks that may be curious mm -hmm. um, just, and just be available. And, and because I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here to kind of talk about how we operate in religious context, what we can do to kind of better our lives in a spiritual work mm. kind of context and what we can do to kind of live as whole people. And I think that's a really important message for, for us to hear overall. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of, that's kind of where I like to leave it. And if people are questioning that or kind of want to talk about that or explore what that means, like I'm always happy to talk with people um, and I'll make sure that you have, you know, where I can be reached yes, um, and things like that be able to just talk about it a little bit. Like, I think it's, I yeah. think community is good. There's, you know, more community is always good for trans folks. Yeah. Um, more opportunities to find our commonalities and find what's important to us is always good. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Alex as much as I did. I'm really hoping to get this transcript out in the next week or so. I'm moving um, out of my seminary apartment. Then I'm going down to Atlanta to help Leah move out of her apartment. And then we're probably going to move up to Cleveland um, to live with my parents until Leah gets a job. So it's still pretty chaotic in my life right now, but I'm still really hoping to get the transcript out because it's a big 
It's a big issue, you know. I want to make sure that everyone has access to these beautiful stories being shared by all my lovely interviewees. And that's not possible until there are transcripts. Um, My friend Eli is helping with a lot of the transcripts. You got to hear from them um, in one of the earlier episodes of this show. So with their help, um, I think I'll be able to really get going with creating transcripts for all of the episodes very soon. When it comes to things like all the time and energy and stuff that comes with making transcripts um, and creating this show and also things like the YouTube video I published with my wife and all the questions I try to answer on tumblr.com, all these many things that I'm doing, um, that's why I have Patreon now. So just a reminder, like I said in the last episode, um, I have a Patreon. If you search for Queerly Christian on Patreon, you will find it. Um, Please only become a patron if you can afford it comfortably. Please support yourself first. Only give what you are able. Um, If you do become a patron, thank you so much. Whether you donate a dollar or five dollars or whatever, you're awesome, and I really appreciate it. Uh, I have a few patrons who are at the $12 level or higher, and they get a shout-out during every episode for their incredible generosity. Those people are Willow Hovink, Ron Hartzler, and Rosina Page. Thank you so much for being awesome and generous people. So I think that's all I've got to say um, at the closing of this episode. Um, I will see you all again in two weeks. I won't just drop off the face of the earth like that again. Um, my issue this time around was that I was so sure I would have time to edit the interview and put it up right um, right before my wedding, and it just didn't happen. If it ever happens again that I'm going to skip an episode posting, I'll make sure to give everyone a heads up. So I will see you all, or you all, here for me again in two weeks. In the meantime, go break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with your life.